You're listening to the Christian Single Moms Podcast. Welcome to the Christian Single Moms Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Donnelly, founder of Agape Moms, and I'm glad you could join me for our conversation today. Here on the podcast, we emphasize discovering you on the journey through. And what that means is I believe that every single mom can discover a life of peace, power, and purpose. And I believe that she can do it right through the things that God is carrying her through in her season as a single mom. In this episode today, we're talking about the road from pain to purpose. And we're talking about the difficulties that lie along the way. We talk about the emotions that we have to process. We talk about the disappointments and the grief that we have to confront. And we talk about coming to terms with what it is that we have lost to put our hope and our trust in God again. And while dealing with these challenges is something that we have to do to get to the other side, we can do it with the sense that we are taking our lives back. My guest for this conversation is Davy Blackburn. Davy has a ministry called Nothing Is Wasted that helps people move from places of pain into their purpose. And it was born out of Davy's personal experience. Several years ago, Davy became a single dad and a widower when his first wife, Amanda, was tragically killed in their home. And Davy talks about the process of moving from that place of pain to finding what it was that God had for him in the next chapter ahead. I want to give you just a little warning ahead of this episode. Davy at the beginning does detail the experience of losing Amanda, and it can be somewhat difficult to listen to. On the other side of that story, though, is an incredible revelation of God's redemption, of his love, and of his repurposing of the things that Davy has experienced. A significant loss always brings with it feelings of sadness and grief. But if those feelings continue over a long period of time, then we'll also start to experience chronic long-term loneliness. I've developed a quiz over at agapemoms.com forward slash quiz called What's Your Loneliness Type? And if you'd like to take that quiz and it takes just a couple of minutes, it will give you some insight into some of the other things that can contribute to an experience with long-term loneliness. Again, that quiz is over at agapemoms.com forward slash quiz. As we get started today, I'd like to introduce you to Davy Blackburn. In November 2015, Davy's wife of seven years, Amanda Grace, was tragically murdered in a home invasion. Davy was left to pastor their church as a single dad of their 15-month-old son, Weston. Two years later, Davy remarried, and God's redemption story began to unfold. Davy and his new wife, Christy, have devoted their lives to helping people through their valleys in life and teach them that when following Jesus, nothing is wasted. Davy and Christy live in Indianapolis, Indiana, with their three kids, Natalia, Weston, and Cohen. They founded Nothing Is Wasted Ministries to help people partner with God to take back their story. As you listen to this episode, I hope you will hear something that will inspire you and encourage you that you can take back what the enemy has tried to take from you. Here is my conversation with 
Davy Blackburn. Davy, I'm so excited you could join me today. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you so much, Michelle. It's great to be on this uh, podcast with you and great to be able to chat with your listeners a little bit. Yeah. And we're going to be talking about pain to purpose. That is something that is the focus of your ministry. Nothing is wasted. And it's something though, that you do have a heart for because you have some personal experience with this. And as the listeners just get to know you a little bit, I wanted to know if you'd start us off by telling us a little bit more about your journey. Yeah, absolutely. It has been a journey from pain to purpose. And um, I I think oftentimes we forget that we can we will find our greatest purpose out of our deepest pain if we let the Lord take control in the midst of those deep, dark valley of the shadow of death circumstances. And I like to say we find our, our ministry after we walk through some misery because it gets mm-hmm. burned so deeply in our heart. And that's the case for, for my story and, and the reason nothing is wasted was started in the first place. Um, I, was, I was married to a, a beautiful woman named Amanda grace for seven years. And we were church planters in Indianapolis and uh, moved to Indianapolis in 2011, moved there November 11th, 2011, which is a very important date um, because of what would transpire over the next few years. And we were, we were living life. We were, we were doing exactly what God had called us to do. We spent about eight months while we were in South Carolina praying against a call to come and plant the church. But once we finally opened our hands to the Lord, and he told us clearly, go to Indianapolis and plant a church. We were, um, we were completely fulfilled, completely satisfied in what we were doing. It was difficult. Um, planting a church is very difficult. But we knew that we were doing exactly what God had called us to do. And so life was great. You know, We moved to, to Indy 2011, started trying to uh, build this church. Um, anytime you'd start a church, it's like God calls you to plant uh, a forest, but drops you in the middle of a parking lot and says, okay, go. And so we're just tilling the soil and meeting people and trying to gather people. And um, we thought that we would just get this thing. This thing would just start up quick. You know, we were like, okay, this is, we're following God's will. And we kind of were under the assumption that if you're in the middle of God's will, then everything goes well for you. And that, that isn't typically the case. I don't know why we were under the, the assumption. I think we just kind of struck this deal with God. Okay, God will obey and we'll follow you. And everything's going to be up and to the right. You're going to protect our family. You're going to take care of us. But when you look in scripture, Michelle, and you see all the people that follow Jesus, um, that, that isn't the case. And, and, and one of the things I love about following Jesus is he, he promised that this wor- in this world, we would have sorrow. He said, you know, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. He didn't pull the wool over our eyes or try to pack any punches. He wasn't trying to convince us of something otherwise or, you know, coerce us into following him. Um, he said, this is going to be a difficult path because we live in a fallen world. And uh, in this world, there's sin, there's brokenness, there's famine, there's disease, there's heartache. And, um, and, and it's because of, of the fall of, of man in Genesis 3, um, when sin entered the world and fractured everything. And so, you know, as, as, I, as we were kind of trying to build this church and we were trying to follow after what Jesus had called us to do, we we're wondering like, why is this thing so frustrating? Why is this thing so frustrating? But if you stick to something long enough and, and you're staying consistent with it, you'll begin to see some momentum. And we did. And so about the fall of 2015, we just finally crested over a hundred people in our church. And we're like, this is it. Like, this is going to take, we are now stepping into actually being pastors of a church and not church planters. And we just felt like this new lift on, um, on, on our life. Uh, we had just welcomed a year before that, welcomed Weston into the world. And we were pregnant with our second. And so we were excited about what 
what the Lord was doing in our life, what the Lord was doing in our church. We had literally just come back from a weekend um, retreat with our team for our church plant. And I, I remember Amanda looking at me and going, man, Davey, like God has really surrounded us with some incredible people. And we are just in this amazing spot right now. Like life is so full. But there was something that was kind of, uh, that was bothersome a little bit in our, and troublesome in our spirits. We, we felt like we, even though it had been a difficult season planting a church, we felt like we had never experienced anything really deep as far as pain is concerned. And, 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 and I think it was because we felt like we were struggling to connect with some of the people that we were ministering to who had experienced really deep pain. And so it was, we had trouble, not necessarily just empathizing with them, but really connecting with them and helping them through their deep pain. And as a pastor, you have a heart for it. And Amanda had a heart for it, but we're like, we felt like there was something on the horizon that God was going to do to take us and enter into a really deep season of pain and uh, never thought it would be what, what this was. Um, We kind of had this, like almost this, this twinge of, I wonder, are we going to lose the baby? Like, is that what's going to happen? We had been hearing about a bunch of miscarriages around us and stuff. And so we kind of got a little bit worried and, and just didn't imagine what was going to happen uh, next. So November, November 10th, 2015, I went uh, early one morning, normal Tuesday morning, went to the gym and uh, I was frustrated because I had not packed my bag to shower at the gym and then go on to the coffee shop to get started with the day. And so I had to go back to the house. And when I came back to the house and I walked through the front door, I walked into my absolute worst nightmare. Um, In front of me there on our living room floor was Amanda and she was laying uh, face down in a pool of blood. And, uh, you know, there's nothing that prepares you for a moment like that. Um, It's extremely, extremely traumatic. And in those traumatic moments, what tends to happen is things go in fast motion and slow motion all at the same time. And so I remember kind of all of the background fading into this blur. And then my senses acutely focusing in on her and I dropped my, I mean, I can remember all these little tiny details because in those really traumatic, I mean, you're just like, everything's just, you know, heightened. And so I dropped my headphones on the, on the floor. I raced to her side. I tried to turn her over and notice that she's still breathing, but she's unconscious and her breathing is very labored. And, and, and it got even more labored as I turned her over. So I turned her back over and I grabbed my phone. I try to dial it as fast as I can. And, um, you know, there's, there's blood all over my hands. And so I'm not able to use the, the swipe screen on my phone and I'm just kind of freaking out. Finally get to where I can dial 911. I call the paramedics and I'm thinking that we had just lost the baby mm. thinking that they were gone. Something like something had gone horrifically wrong with the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Maybe she got out of the shower this morning and she kind of something happened and she got lightheaded and stumbled and there was this ladder that had fallen next to her. And so maybe mm-hmm. that was the reason for the blood. The ladder had fallen on her as she passed out and there's just something. Okay. So if we can get her to the hospital, she's going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. The worst is that maybe we lost the baby and uh, paramedics come. Uh, felt like It felt like it took them three hours to get there. It took them three minutes, Michelle, yeah, yeah. you know, that, that those kind of moments. And so yeah. Uh, Weston was up in his crib. There was no reason for me to think that he was in danger whatsoever. Cause again, all I'm thinking is we lost the baby. We lost the baby. Did not think that anybody had been in our house. However, as I was waiting for the paramedics, I saw my mind started taking the snapshots of all of these things around me that were out of place. This lamp that had fallen, um, her credit cards were strewn out all over the ground. I couldn't, and I'm like, what in the world? What was she trying to order or buy this? Mm. Early? Why are like this, it just didn't make any sense to me. And so mm-hmm. the paramedics get there. They go, is there anybody else in the house? I said, well, my son's up in his crib. And um, and so I run up and I grab him. And 
um, I was just talking to Christy, my wife, my wife now about this, and that I didn't remember a memory that they had to tell me to go wash my hands. The paramedics were like, don't grab them yet. Go wash your hands first, you know, because I'm just in this shock. And yeah. I go up and I get West in and we sit down and, and he goes, you know, the paramedics come to me and they say, what hospital do you want to go to? And I'm like, I don't care what hospital. I just, I just, we get it, get her to the hospital right now, you know? So we follow them to the hospital. We're sitting in a waiting room. I've got Weston on my knee and I'm kind of bouncing him and shaking. And, you know, I feel like I'm in this out of body experience looking down on myself, but all I'm thinking is she's going to be okay. That She's going to be okay because we follow Jesus and we're pastors and we were called to this city and nothing bad's going to happen because when you're following Jesus, nothing bad happens, right? There's this, this lie that we had, that I had told myself, you know, and this deal that I had with God that was like, you're going to protect us. You're going to take care of it. I moved my family all the way from this comfortable job, dream job. And we're, we're like doing the hard work. God what you know, so this is, everything's going to be fine. And um, the next thing I know, doctors and, and, um, investigators come in and they start asking me questions and I'm like, what in the world, you know? And, uh, they asked me some very invasive questions. And when they figured out that I had no idea what was going on, they, they looked at me and said, Davey, um, Amanda's got three bullet wounds in her. Mm. One is in her arm and one is grazed over her back and one is in the back of her head. And there's a bullet lodged behind her eye. And, um, we, we don't know if there's any brain activity going on. We're going to run some tests. And if we can get the swelling in the brain to go down, we might be able to operate, but it, but it does not look good. You need to begin preparing yourself. And I don't know what came over me, Michelle. I don't know if it was faith or shock or some weird combination thereof, but I grabbed the doctor's hands and I said, can we pray right now? And they kind of look at me weird and I'm like, I, I want to pray. And I prayed the biggest, boldest prayer of faith that I could muster up. I said, God, there are people in this hospital who they are trusting in science rather than trusting in you. And if you want to use our family right now to to demonstrate your miraculous healing touch so that they begin to put their trust in you, I'm asking that you would do that. We are willing to be that vessel for you. Um, Would you begin to restore brain matter back into Amanda's head right now? Would you bring her into full healing right now? And it was this massive, I mean, I was felt so empowered in that moment and uh, thought that everything was going to be fine. But 24 hours later, test results came back and she was, she was declared officially deceased. Mm, Davey, I'm so sorry. I appreciate that you would share that part of that journey because the trauma is the thing that, though our stories may all be somewhat different, the trauma is the thing that really we have in common and working through that trauma is the thing that sometimes prevents us from getting to that place of purpose. So in this time period, you talk about how you'd had kind of this understanding with God that, hey, we came to do your work and everything's going to be okay for us. So as this starts to unfold, how do you start to reconcile the fact that that was not what happened? That was not the story. Yeah. Well, over time, what began to happen is that um, God began to help me understand that he is he is not a God of my expectations, um, but that at the same time, he is a God that absolutely is madly in love with me, is madly in love with Amanda, um, and that ultimately his purposes are, are more perfect and more beautiful than what we can imagine and what we can understand in our finite human minds. And, and what, that, what that means is, is that 
there is going to be pain that happens. But what we find in the midst of that pain is that God is always with us. One of the things I love about Jesus, the person of Jesus, that is different and other than any other major religious figure, prophet, or um, religious idea out there is that God entered into our pain, that he looked around and he saw that there was nobody that would be able to bring us back into relationship with him. And so, um, you know, every other major religion says, hey, here are the things that you have to do that you have to strive for, that you have to work for in order to get to God. And God said, no, there's nothing that you can do to come back. And sin has broken our relationship. There's nothing you can do. So I'm going to send my son to step into humanity, to walk through all of the suffering. In fact, greater suffering than what we could ever imagine, right? And it's going to be the ultimate injustice of all of history, right? If you think about the idea of injustice, that there is something that is done to somebody who is innocent, Jesus is the only sinless person that has ever existed. And yet he carried the entire wrath of God on the cross and endured the worst, most horrific suffering for our sins so that we can be reconciled back to God. That's an amazing God that would choose to enter into our suffering, that would choose to say, hey, I've experienced every single one of those things so that you can know confidently that I am with you in those sufferings. And I understand. Mm -hmm. Some of your listeners are walking through stuff right now that they're like, Nobody understands what I'm going through. Mm -hmm. Nobody understands it. And I felt that way. I'm like looking around, what other pastor and church planter do I know whose wife was murdered? Yeah. I didn't know that. So I'm like, God, how can you understand? How can you enter into this? How can you get what's going on right here? And God showed up to me the same way he'll show up to you in very personal ways. If you lean into him and say, okay, God, I need you to show me. I need you to show me what, what to do. Um, God is not intimidated by our, our questions. He's not intimidated by our doubts. He's not intimidated by our whys. In fact, I believe that we get closer and closer to the Lord as we begin to ask him why, as we begin to wrestle with him, just like Job did, where, he, where, where we go, what is going on, God? Many times what people do is they run away from God in the midst of these circumstances. And, and what I found is as I ran toward him, and as I even used him as a punching bag sometimes, that I don't understand what you're doing right now. He began to, in his kindness, he began to reveal those things to me slowly and in a very personal way. And so things like, God, how can you understand what it's like to lose your wife to murder? What in the world? He reminded me, hey, um, Davey, I also had a bride, the church. And the bride got stolen from me back in Genesis chapter three, when Satan entered into the picture and convinced you know, Adam and Eve to swap the truth of God's word for a lie. And at that moment, my bride was taken from me. And I've been on this pursuit to redeem that situation. And ultimately that redemption is fulfilled in the cross. And now I want to continue to redeem that situation. So God spoke to me in that way. And I'm like, wait, how, you, you do understand what this is like. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes, Davey, I do. And I'll walk with you every step of the way in all of these. And over and over and over, Michelle, these kinds of things happened. I'll, I'll tell you this in the hospital while we're sitting there waiting for test results to, um, to come through before we knew what was, what was going on. I knew that if she could hear anything, if there was any kind of um, cognizance there that she would want to listen to, to worship music, namely elevation worship. Mm -hmm. So I put on Pandora radio station right at the foot of her bed, um, elevation worship radio station. And you know how Pandora works. It's randomized. You don't know what's going to come next. And the first song that comes up is this song, Nothing is Wasted. And it's like in this moment right here, in our deepest, darkest pain and doubt and disappointment, God stepped in and reminded us through these simple lyrics of this song, I am with you. 
And I'm not going to waste this pain. This pain is too great. I'm going to turn this pain around for good. And at that moment, God began teaching me that he is the greatest jujitsu artist of all time. Mm. That he takes what the enemy means for evil. He takes the opponent's momentum and he turns it around uh, to use it against the opponent, against the enemy. And the enemy, Jesus told us, has come to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to rob from us our hope. He wants to rob from us our future. He wants to rob from us our destiny. And, and, and that is what he is bent on doing. And while that may mean that pain begins to enter into our life, God will always use that pain and turn it around for an even greater purpose for the world and, friends, for you, because he loves you. I love that. And, <laughs> Sometimes we leave so ourselves out of the equation, yeah. right? <laughs> it's this double win. Yeah, you know? right. Through all of the pain that I've gone through, what I've learned is that what you gain in relationship to the giver far outweighs the loss of the gift. That's <sighs> profound. That's so good. Michelle, I read that four months after Amanda passed away. Mm. And, I, and, I, and I go, I don't, know if I, I don't know if I agree with that. But now, over five years after, and seeing what God has done out of this and through this, and the many, many, many thousands of lives that have been changed for eternity because of Amanda's death, which by the way, if you were to ask her at 18 years old, because I, I was privy to, to the 18-year-old Amanda, if you were to ask her, what would you want your life to be about? She would say, I want my life to be lived barbarically for Jesus so that ultimately more people come to know Christ because I was here on earth. Mm. That's it. Yeah. So she, she, she fulfilled and got to realize her purpose. And as she stepped in front of Jesus that day, there were no more tears. There was no more pain. There was no more heartache. She was in absolute perfect peace standing in front of her first love. She is loving everything about her life because she had this eternal perspective and yes. that was her home and that's where she longed to be, right? And, and so then on this side of things, now we're going, okay, well, how do we sort through the loss of this and how do we right. sort through the gutting of this and how do we, but as I look back now, I go, man, the impact that her life and her death has made and what God has begun to do out of our story, I wouldn't have asked for this, but I would, I mean, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Mm-hmm. And I love that you pointed to the fact that there is a wrestling though with God that oh, happens man. in that process that we can trust him and at the same time be frustrated or disappointed yep. or angry. And I think it's essential that we have to go through that because mm-hmm. there will come this period of time where we're going to sort of resent that this turned out to be our story, that it didn't go yeah. the way that we had thought it was going to be. And we may even really doubt that there can be much yep. good that can come from it. That we look at our circumstances and say, well, I'm not going to impact thousands, you know, so what, what really can I look to for hope in this? So for a person though, who is listening to your story and they're like, wow, that's great that, you know, this happened for him, but I'm, I'm feeling like, I don't know which end is up right now. I don't, I don't really know how to find purpose in all of this. I don't know if I want to, cause I'm kind of mad that I'm going through this. What would you say? to a woman who's in that spot right now? Yeah. Well, I would say, I would echo exactly what you just said, Michelle, that the, the first step for any of us is we have to enter into that wrestling. We have to enter into those places of deep, dark suffering. I mean, it'd be this, uh, the idea of the dark night of the soul is what I've heard it described before. Hmm. Um, 
anytime there's any kind of trauma or tragedy that takes place in your life, you usually have this latency period where there's a shock, right? It doesn't, you're like, I'm in complete shock. I don't understand what that, what's going on right now. And this period right here is always, I believe God's grace, because if you felt the full weight of what was happening in your life right now, it would probably kill you. you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it would absolutely crush you. And so I was grateful for that latency period in my own life, but about a, about three weeks to a month after Amanda passed away, because I mean, we had national media frenzy and all, and I'm getting whisked off to kind of find some protection and, you know, find some counseling and regrouping. And fortunately I had a team around me that was helping me to, to do all that stuff, but I was still in this state of shock. We went on national television a couple of times in this state of shock. I look back at those videos and I go, I don't even know who that person is, mm. you know, but what was really, I will say this, what was really um, empowering about those moments is that um, what was coming out of me in those was completely the Holy Spirit. I got to share the gospel on national television multiple times. And it wasn't my own words. It was the Holy Spirit's words. And I would say that for anybody listening here, you're probably in a, a moment of pain or a season of pain right now. But if you're not, the best thing for you to do is train for the trial that you're not yet in to begin diving into God's word and filling yourself with God's word. Because in sponge seasons of life, when pressure comes around you, what comes out of you is what was already in you. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, fortunately, I, I grew up in a pastor's home. Now I joke around a lot that I had a drug problem. I was drugged to church every time the doors <laughs> were open, right? I grew up in a pastor's home, but that was getting deposited into me over and over and over. And so when my life hit this massive crisis, what came out of me is what was, what was there in me. It was like this muscle memory. And, um, and this is what Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter seven, where he says, the wise man builds his house on the rock, the foolish man on the sand. Well, the rock is listening to Jesus' words and putting them into practice. And this is what undergirds our life. It builds us for the storms that are inevitably going to come into our life. The storms were not biased. They came for the both, both the wise man and the foolish man. Mm-hmm. So there's this preparation period. Then there's this latency period of shock, right? But then there's always this deep, dark period where you start feeling the depths of the pain of the trauma and you begin feeling it physiologically. Even I remember three weeks or so a month or so after Amanda passed away, I was on the couch at a friend's house, um, just a family in our church that we were living at temporarily because our, our home was a crime scene and I could not get off the couch. I was physically sick because of all this grief that was pent up inside of me. And I thought that I was having, I needed to be strong for my son. I needed to be strong for other people around me because I was their pastor. So, so somehow I needed to put on this face and trust God that things are going to be okay. And while I knew that, you know, I did trust God, there was still this deep, deep wrestling that was going on inside me. Like, God, how in the world could you let something like this happen? And I didn't want other people to see that because I was supposed to have all this, you know, all the answers I had preached about this stuff. Mm -hmm. And so what happened is I began pinning up inside of me, all of that grief, and it wasn't going anywhere. I was running away from the things that that were causing me grief, that were causing me that deep, dark sadness and depression, and um, and ultimately it was it was making me sick physically. Mm-hmm. And um, I got some advice from a friend of mine, Pastor Levi Lusco. Um, it, if you guys have ever read Through the Eyes of a Lion, if you haven't read it, you need to go read it right now. It's an incredible book about how he lost his um, his five year old daughter. And he somehow found my number, got my number, started texting me, right? It was a godsend right at that moment that I needed it. Here's this pastor reaching out to me who had experienced significant loss. And he said, what do you need? And I told him, I said, I don't feel like I can talk to anybody about this. I am so, I don't, I cannot fathom living the next day. 
I don't want to be alive and I'm hurting. Like I just, I'm sick. He said, Davey, here's what I want you to do. He said, I want you to run toward the roar. I said, what are you talking about? He said, um, let me explain what, what this is. He said, um, when lions hunt, they hunt in gender roles. So the male lion we think is kind of the hunter. He's not, um, he's, he's more bark than he is bite. The female lions, come on, this should, should encourage every single yeah. woman listening to this <laughs> podcast. On. They're actually the mastermind behind the hunt, the lioness. So you see in a National Geographic scene, you go down to the watering hole and you've got this wildebeest or this, you know, this prey that's down there. The male lion goes to one side, gets up on his haunch, just flares his mane and lets out this huge roar. Um, but the intention is to scare the prey into an ambush that the female lions have set up. Mm-hmm. So if the prey wants to survive, what they need to do is they need to do the counterintuitive thing. They need to run toward the roar rather than away from it because mm-hmm. running away from it is a booby trap. And scripture tells us that the enemy is prowling around like a roaring lion seeking whom he could devour. Now, if mm-hmm. we're in Christ, our soul has been sealed by the Holy Spirit of God because we've trusted what Jesus did for us on the cross and we believe that he raised from the dead. So now this, our sin is no longer held against us. He cannot devour us. He can't. We are sealed by Jesus, right? Um, but he can scare us. And he scares us with things like trauma. Mm-hmm. He scares us with things like sadness or depression or anxiety. And the whole point of that is he wants to neutralize us. He wants us to get stuck in the middle of our trauma. So he will scare us with this pain. So anytime somebody begins to get afraid of facing those emotions, facing what has happened to them, facing that trauma, they just get shoved down deeper and deeper and deeper. And ultimately what we're doing is we're running away from it. We're numbing, we're coping, we're trying to figure out some way to get, just get away from it, but we're running right into an ambush, Hmm. right into a booby trap because it will ultimately um, end up uh, coming out, but coming out in a worse manner. Right. It comes out sideways. It comes right. out. We begin to hurt other people around us mm-hmm. and we don't even realize it, but we mm-hmm. hurt the people that we love because pain when unaddressed perpetuates pain, right? If we don't let God transform our pain, we're going to inevitably transfer it onto other people and it's going to blow up somehow and it's going to affect the people that we love around us. And so what we have to do is we have to actually run toward that pain. We have to enter into the deep wrestlings of that pain. We've got to go and do counseling. We've got to go and do therapy. We've got to begin to externalize these things. We've got to begin to run toward the roar because that is our freedom. That Mm. is where our healing lies. The portal into experiencing the resurrection of Christ is facing the suffering of Christ. And, And so the story arc of kind of a painful journey, a valley is actually deep down into the valley before you can come up out of the valley. Right. You can't just kind of coast your way through it and, and try to escape it. You have to go directly through this deep part of the valley. And so when I, when I heard that advice, I, I, I said, okay, I'm going to take it. Well, there was a particular song that um, would pop up on my Bluetooth, you know, the way my phone was connected to, the, um, to my car. Every time I turned my car on, the first song on my playlist would pop up. And it was a song that was, um, that was played at our wedding. And so prior to this moment of hearing this advice, every time that would happen, I'd get in my car and turn it on for those three weeks of just being you know, completely shocked. And then going into this, I would bang the dashboard. I'd turn the, car, saw the song off and I don't want to listen to that. Would, this anger, right? This mm-hmm. rage, this frustration, this sadness, this deep, but I'd shove it down. I don't want to face that. Yeah. And um, the 
first time after hearing that from Pastor Levi, I, I started to go and do the same thing when I got out of my car the next time. And then I remember what he said, run toward the road. I pulled over the side of the road. And I turned up the volume and I listened to it over and over and over and over. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely just ugly cried, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. this waves of grief coming over waves of grief coming over. I was so glad that my windows were somewhat tinted and nobody could see because it was just like, I didn't want anybody to see this kind of deep anguish. And what's amazing, Michelle, is about 30 minutes or so, 45 minutes maybe into that of just hearing it over and over and just losing it. All of a sudden, it stopped. Hmm. And the physiological pain that I was feeling subsided. And and it was like after these waves of grief were coming over, over me, waves of grace were following. Wow. And, and I, that day I learned that if we want to experience healing, we've got to enter into it. Wow. We've got to face it. We cannot run away from it. And so now that wasn't the, that wasn't the last time. It wasn't like over for good. Every time one of those triggers would come up, now I had tools for it. Now, instead of running away, coping, managing it, trying to figure out some way to avoid it, now I'd go, okay, that trigger is actually an invitation for me to step into deeper healing. All right, Lord, where is it that I need? Okay, how do I need to face this? The next thing was I needed to go back into the house. The house was lording over me. It, mm-hmm. This was a house that was used for ministry. We started our church in this house, right? Mm-hmm. But the very last thing that I had ever, the last time I stepped foot in this, this house was this this horrific, terrible crime scene that was my absolute worst nightmare. So now I was having dreams about this house. I was having dreams about that scene. I, w- I kept seeing you know, her body in this image and, and nightmares waking me up in cold sweats. And so I knew I had to go, I had to go back to that house and I had to face it because mm-hmm. I couldn't let this, this thing have some kind of bondage over me. Yeah. And so I remember putting my headphones in, same headphones that I had dropped that morning, put my headphones in, walked through the threshold, put worship music on in my, um, in my ears and walked through the threshold of that front door the same exact way that I did that morning. And, um, and I just began walking around the house and wow. laid down the spot that I found her. I worshiped, I wept. And the same thing happened about 45 minutes into doing this. It was like whew, this rush of peace. Now this thing did not have a stronghold on me. I was able to take this back through the power of the Holy Spirit, take mm-hmm. back, um, essentially my story and begin walking in an empowered way through healing. Um, and, and that's, you know, that that's the long version of yeah. exactly what you just said. You have to enter into these spaces. You have to dive deep into the dark um, uh, crevices of, of the pain that's going on in your life. If you're going to experience any kind of healing, but healing love, is possible. I love that you shared the detail though of, Yes, I had this trigger and yes, I ended up sitting with it and yes, it was hard, but then this is what came out of it because those triggers I think are very off-putting to us as we're going through a healing process and they're annoying. They come up at the worst possible times. We do have the nightmares and the flashbacks and all those kinds of things and it just feels like it has so much power. And I think that's the difficult part of this is knowing the past has power in that sense that it's holding us back, but it's also familiar. It's also the place where there were right. some, maybe some good memories for us or some, some right. hopes that now they're dashed, but they weren't, you know, and that was the time where there were dreams and those kinds of things. And to make the transition though, into moving forward and deciding to say yes to our future, there's a choice in that. And A lot of times we put off making that choice to move forward because while the past is painful, 
it's all so familiar. I'd like to take a short break from our conversation to mention our sponsor, Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is Christian counseling that is available on the go. And it works through an app where you are able to schedule video sessions or just chat with your counselor throughout the course of the week. And I found that having the combination of Christian teaching and counseling together was so encouraging and so healing for me. If you have been considering Christian counseling and you would like to give Faithful Counseling a try, you can get 10% off of your first month by going to getfaithful.com forward slash single mom. So for you in discovering the next chapter for your life, as it did mean for Davy's purpose, how did you go about embracing that choice? Well, you know, I think every single one of us have that choice. Um, we have the choice of whether or not we we want to get up the next morning or, 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 or not. And, um, at the end of the day, what I, what I began to understand, I'm just grateful that the Holy spirit gave me this insight is that there was that purpose was going to be the thing that would get me up in the, in the morning, Mm -hmm. um, seeking pleasure, seeking numbing, seeking that kind of stuff that might help temporarily, but ultimately purpose was going to be the thing that was going to drive me and fuel me. And things don't make sense because if we're honest, most of the pain in this world there's no explanation for it. It doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And if God gave us an explanation for it, it probably still wouldn't help, right? We, mm-hmm. we, we, don't, we wouldn't be able to understand like the why questions we have. We all have those questions, but we, don't, we can't understand God's ways mm-hmm. um, you know, in our finite minds. Like my kids asking me why about certain things. I'm like, well, you know, I could tell you this, but you're not going to really understand right. it right now. Right. And, um, and so, so when there's no explanation, there's, when there's no reason for it, there can still be meaning. And that meaning is derived when we find purpose. And ultimately, what we like to talk about, nothing is wasted, is when we partner with God to repurpose that pain, to take what the enemy meant for evil, and we turn it around for good for other people. And so that I began, I began finding that as I stepped into that, as I looked after other people, as I helped other people in the midst of my pain, as I preached on a Sunday and shared what God was doing in my own healing journey, um, then then I found this purpose that would, that got me up in the morning and got me through the next day. And, and of course, there were definitely times where I was like, man, this like I'd go back down into that deep valley and that depression. But again, I had the tools for it. And I knew that, okay, there's a purpose that's going to propel me. And the more I stepped into that purpose, the, the fewer and farther between did those triggers begin to drag me down again. Mm-hmm. And so one of those purposes was I wanted other people to, I, I was hearing all these stories of all these people who had walked through these healing journeys and found redemption through these horrific pain, st- pain points that were going on in their life, these traumas they were experiencing. And, and I was like, man, I want other people to hear these. I, why am I so blessed to be privy to these stories? And these are helping me heal. How can I help other people experience this too, who maybe don't have the access to these people. And so I decided to grab a microphone and start interviewing these people on a podcast. I had no idea. I didn't know if this would be like, maybe we'll release five or six episodes and it'll be, that'll be that, right? I, think I didn't Podcasting know. always starts that way. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, I don't know if people will like this or not. I have yeah. no idea, but uh-huh. I just know I'm borrowing faith from these people. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if there's people out there that also could do the same. So that was the you know, that was the conception of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're almost at about 200 episodes and about a million downloads now where we are just sharing story after story after story after story of people 
have gone through horrific tragedy, trauma, major life transition, and yet God has walked them through the valley. And I'm seeing over and over and over that God's word is true in the midst of our pain. That Psalm 23, 4 says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Um, Isaiah 30 says, though he give you the water, the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, the teacher will hide himself no more, but he will be like a voice speaking to you. This is the way, walk in it. Mm -hmm. That if we let Jesus take us by the hand and lead us through the valley, he's been through every valley that any of us have could ever imagine or fathom or go through. So he knows the route through it. So if we, instead of trying to strong arm our way and manipulate our way and control our way through our own healing, if we just let Jesus lead us by the hand, he's going to take us into this really beautiful healing journey and then ultimately turn around and redeem this story mm-hmm. and use it for good. Again, the good of the world and for our good. Yeah. And I think the thing that sometimes we're afraid of in that too, though, is we may know like in these stories, so well, it's great that that happened for that person, but is that really going to be for me? Is that really what God wants for me? And yeah. I wrestled through that. I remembered very indignantly saying to the Lord, well, you know, what are you going to do with this? What are you going to do with me now? You yeah. know, <laughs> here, here we are, <laughs> yep. you know, just three years later. And he has turned me into a completely different person. And the yeah. way that that transformation has just allowed me to better connect and raise my kids, mm-hmm. better connect me to my community, allowed me the opportunity to just get on here and right. and share that journey and walk alongside other women with it. It's just, it's unimaginable yeah. the layers of this that God had intended yep. to take take us out of. But we have to believe before we can see all the the fruit at the end of it, we got we have to believe that he wants that for us. Right. So that we will take that first step. So as far as that part's concerned, how can we gain some confidence that this mm-hmm. healing, this repurposing, this is not just for other people. This is for us too. Yeah. Well, I think you have to go back to the character and nature of God. And, you know, so often in our lives, we begin to collect and reflect the what we contrive God to be, Right. We, we view God based on our experiences, based on what other people have told us about God, whether, based on what other people have told us about ourselves. So we have to deconstruct all of those things and really see God for who he really is, who he says that he is, mm-hmm. and who he says he is in his word. And in his word, over and over and over and over, he not only tells us, but he proves to us. He's a promise maker and a promise keeper. He proves to us through stories of men and women, heroes of our faith, that he is in the business of writing redemption stories. That's what he does. That's what Mm -hmm. he does best. He is so, so good. He's like professional level at taking the worst that the enemy can throw at us and turning it around for good for us and for the world. And um, the, but the big question we have to ask ourselves is, do we believe that that is not just true for the meta narrative of scripture, right? Mm -hmm. The fact that he has written this big meta narrative redemption, you know, redemption narrative, but that it's also true for our micro narratives that for each one of our lives, he wants to redeem our story. Um, and, and so that's ultimately where the flip has to happen in our own, in our own hearts is to say, I believe God that you have good intentions for me, that, that you are, you are more distraught over what has happened to me. You are more upset. Mm. You are more broken than I am. And because of that, you are beginning to write this redemption story 
you're going to take back what has been stolen from me. You're going to reverse this thing that is that has um, been set into motion in my story. And you know, I, I, one of my favorite stories in Scripture is when King David, before he was before he was king, he was running away from Saul. Saul was trying to kill him, and for whatever reason, he somehow sneaks behind enemy lines and convinces the Philistine commander to let him fight for them. Mm-hmm. I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense. But this is first, in First Samuel chapter 30, you can read about it. And he's in this camp called Ziklag. Well, he had actually duped the Philistine commander and he was using that as kind of a double agent type thing where he's going and pillaging all these other enemies of Israel, right? And so uh, one of them was the Amalekites, I believe. And um, he ticked off one of these enemies, the Amalekites, and came back to his camp at Ziklag. And he and his men come back from this campaign. They come back and they see all of their wives and all of their children have been stolen. And what David does next in this moment has profoundly impacted me. I think it's the message for everybody listening to this. First of all, he asks, bring me the linen ephod, the linen ephod. Now I would have asked for, I would have said, bring me my sword, bring me my horse, like something, I'm going <laughs> to do something about this. Mm-hmm. But he first asks, bring me the linen ephod, which the linen, the linen ephod in scripture is the garment of praise. And we see him wear the linen ephod in another, another instance. He wears it when he's parading into town after this military conquest. And we, you know, we know the story, right? The women are swooning over him. His mm-hmm. wife looks down and she's contemptuous toward him yeah, because man. of that. She's upset. She's like, oh, what, why is women like? And, and he's like stripped down to just the linen ephod. And this mm-hmm. is where we get the whole song, I'll become even more undignified than this, is what he says. So it's this triumphant moment that he's wearing the linen ephod. Well, it's also then in his most tragic moment that he asked for this. And this is, the, this is the garment the priest would wear when they would go into worship to be the mediator between man and God. And so in this moment, in the midst of his biggest, most tragic moment, he turns to the Lord and he offers praise. Mm-hmm. And he says, God, I don't know what you're doing in this, but I'm choosing to trust in you. And he says, then he, then he asks God the question, what should I do? What should I do? Take me by the hand, lead me, lead me into healing. And God says, you need to go take him back. Go take him back. And I love this because this becomes like a Liam Neeson moment to me, right? (laughs) It's like this empowerment that says, listen, this thing that has been stolen from you, Mm. this, this fate, this destiny, this purpose that the enemy has stolen from you, if you will let God enter into that space with you, if you will open yourself up to him, he will invite you to go and take it back. You are not a passive agent in this thing. You are not, you might be a victim, but you don't have to be a victim. You don't have to play a victim mentality. The Holy Spirit of God can empower you to go and take back your story. And that's what David did. He goes back and he takes back the, the, all, of the, all the wives of the men, all of the children and rescues them. And you might be like, baby, my story is too far gone to be rescued. I, I wrestle with that same question. I can't, how can I go and rescue Amanda? And what God impressed in me is that even when you're not able to rescue, I'm able to restore. I'm able to redeem. I'm able to bring back into your life the things that were stolen from you. I will make the enemy repay sevenfold, but you got to walk with me and trust me. And in my time, I will do it for you. I love how you put that too, Davey, because I think sometimes the question we have is, well, God let this happen. So is he okay with it? And I just, I love that you said that he is more heartbroken over the things that have happened to us and he empowers us to take it all back. And I think sometimes we're 
thinking, well, maybe I just have to sit here and wait. Maybe I just need to sit and let something happen. And I've seen in my own life how if I am still, God will give me what that next step is. And we don't have to know what the whole staircase is. But if we just know what the next one is, obediently, if we walk into that, that's where we start to see the magnification of what just this one tiny step of obedience becomes something so much greater. And he's not asking us to have even the confidence that we can manage the whole staircase. (laughs) He knows that we might be only able to go one step at a time. So that's pretty much all we get sometimes. (laughs) Exactly right. In fact, if he showed us the whole staircase, it would would freak us out. We might turn and run the other way, right? (laughs) uh, One step at a time, one step at a time. And And each step, there's more and more healing. And each step, there's more and more empowering, more and more strengthening. And then you kind of look back and you go, wow, how did I get here? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's the grace of God that's been carrying you. Mm, that's so true. And as we go through that staircase, though, it can be frustrating. And yeah. you mentioned with trauma, there's layers of these things, right. and the healing is not straightforward. You may have, you know, two steps forward, one step back, you know, and that sort yeah. of thing. How do you remain patient? How do we stay with it when we feel defeated? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, I think what we have to do is, I think we have to again keep the end in mind. Um, I know there's no, there's no destination to this until we you know step into the other side of eternity. But I think if we keep healing in mind, so, you know, you asked earlier, how do we, how do we really convince our own heart that healing is possible? Well, once we mm-hmm. convince our heart that healing is possible because we trust in who God is, who he says that he is, then we have to take that promise. And we have to hold it out in front of us and we have to keep walking toward that promise. And that's the thing that keeps us persevering. That's the key thing that keeps us forward. Even when we get discouraged, even when we feel like we falter or we stutter step, the thing that keeps us persevering through all of it is the promises of God, the promise that he has for each one of our lives. And his word does promise that there is healing that is possible, full healing, mm-hmm. full restoration that is possible. And there is purpose that can come out of this. And so I love what Galatians 6, 9 says. Galatians 6, 9 says, do not grow weary in well-doing. For at the proper time, you will reap a harvest. But then there's a major contingency at the very end. It says, if you do not give up. The only people that don't realize or recognize or actualize, is probably the better term, the promise that God has for their life are the ones who give up. Mm-hmm. And so my encouragement is, is keep showing up every single day. Keep inviting God into those deep, dark spaces. Keep allowing those triggers to be invitations into deeper healing. Um, Keep leaning into those emotions, right? And these emotions are not a bad thing. God gave us these emotions. He gave us emotions and emotions are to be this red light indicator in our life that says, whoa, there's something, it's like going off. There's something that I need to lean into a little bit more. I need to get curious about it. I I need to uh, step into that invitation from God. They're, they're not supposed to be, emotions are not supposed to be a roadmap telling us where to go. Mm-hmm. We've all followed our emotions to the wrong place before, yes. mm-hmm. right? God's truth tells us where to go, but our emotions are a gift to us to tell us where we're at. And then we use his truth as the guide to tell us where we need to go. And so lean into those emotions, be okay about those emotions, be curious about those emotions, recognize that Jesus had these emotions, all the emotions that you're feeling, Jesus also experienced those And so he has the handbook on how to not just lean into those, but also not let those have power over you. And um, and so each day, each each day, stepping in about keeping the promise at the forefront, keeping the end in mind, knowing, hey, 
God's got something for me can right now on the horizon, it's going to get you up every single day. You're going to have discouraging days. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But, but don't let the discouragement of today keep you from tomorrow, right? Tomorrow is a new day. His mercies are new every single day. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's, that'd be my encouragement to every one of your listeners. I love that you pointed to something earlier too, about, you said borrowed faith and that mm-hmm. these stories of the people who are coming on your podcast. And I even look at these stories from the Bible. That's really what these are about. That's right. We should be able to look at our own lives and say, oh, here's where God was faithful. And here's where he yeah. came through before he can come through again. But sometimes we just can't access that. And so right. borrowing the faith of people who so have good. gone through the journey and are already on the other side is such a pivotal part of this, of collectively coming together in our pain and saying to the enemy, you can't have us. Right. <laughs> we are right. taking this back. We're taking that back. That's so this true. Trend. Yeah. And community is imperative in this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's imperative because there's going to be days where you don't have the strength to get up and you're going to need your, your neighbor, right? That's what the idea of exhorting each other. That's what yeah. Hebrew says. You're going to need someone to call you to their side and say, Hey, no, 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 no. I'm not going to let you give up. You've come too far. Mm-hmm. You've come too far. Healing. The next step of healing is just around the other side of this, this wall that you're hitting right now. And so we're able to then borrow each other's faith and we're able to look to each other. That's why also Hebrews says, because we have such a great cloud of witnesses mm-hmm. surrounding us, all these people who have gone before us, who have proven to us that God is faithful, that he is good, that he will carry through on his promises. It says, then we can, we can um, run this race mm-hmm. because we have, we can run this race and we cannot grow weary. We can, we can, run the race that's marked out for us in, in Christ Jesus. And so I think you're right. This is an imperative part of our healing journey is to do it together. Mm-hmm. But trauma will tell you not to do it with other people. It will tell you that other people don't understand that you are by yourself, that you that nobody knows what you're feeling and that you're completely isolated. That is a lie mm-hmm. from the enemy. Every time I go speak somewhere, Michelle, I'll say, hey, let me ask you this. We, we do workshops for pain to purpose. I'll say, how many of you experienced blank, right? I, I name a trauma. And you see kind of hands like hesitantly raise. And I say, look around. You're not the only one. Yeah. And, and inevitably, it's in every single situation I can name, there are hands that go up and it's like these light bulbs go off like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. there are other people who have experienced this too. And it just opens up the space for people to start being vulnerable with each other and to have this idea of me too. That's mm-hmm. huge. Me too. Yeah. Right. Yep. But me too can also, if we just stay in me too, it can keep us paralyzed. Right. The, the man by the pool, Bethesda and John chapter five, mm-hmm. they were all me too. There were yeah. a bunch of paralyzed people just sitting around. So me too is fantastic as step one. Step two is now let's move through. Mm-hmm. And that's what we need is people who would say, Hey, listen, I'm with you. I've been there. Me too. I understand. Now let's move through. Let's Absolutely. walk through this healing. Let's get our let's get up off our mat and let's walk because Jesus wants to wants us to walk and then he wants us to run. Mm-hmm. That's so good, Davey. Thank you for that. I'm feeling exhorted right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this has been so wonderful. Just getting to hear a little bit more about what God's done in your life and in your story and how he's redeemed that and just the encouragement that you have through that. For a woman who's listening, I ask every guest the same question yeah. at the end, and it is. If you had just one thing that you would want a single mom to know, what would it be? I would say, um, I want you to know that Jesus sees you. I think especially with being a single mom, sometimes there's so many things that you are doing and so many needs that you're attending to 
and uh, so much time that you feel isolated and by yourself that you just need to know he sees you. And not only does he see you, he loves you. And he wants to say, um, don't carry this by yourself. It's so, it's so interesting. We have devos with daddy every single morning with my kids. I have a seven-year-old, six-year-old, and a 17-month-old. And our 17-month-old, he's just off kind of wandering around. He doesn't do devos yet with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this morning, we read, the story, we read the story of Mary and Martha with our kids. And I feel like that that is a, um, a timely word for this moment. That there are so many single moms, you're, you're operating and running like Martha. You're trying to serve Jesus and serve others and attend to the needs and you're exhausted and you're spent and you're worn out. And I believe Jesus's invitation to you is, daughter, just come sit at my feet. Just come, just learn from me. Spend time with me, be in my presence, and I'll give you the strength that you need to carry on the rest of the day. I'll give you the strength that you need to step into the assignment I have for you tomorrow. I'll give you the strength that you need to attend to every single one of these needs of your kids because they are so much all yeah. the time. Um, but just sit with me and know that I love you and that I see you and that I'm working a great plan in your life. Trust me with that. That's so good. Thank you so much. Yeah. For listeners who want to learn more about Nothing is Wasted, your podcast, all the resources yeah. that you have, how can they follow along with you? Well, you can listen to the Nothing is Wasted podcast. You can find that on iTunes, but we also, we're, we're a full-fledged ministry now. So we not, not only help you with the inspiration of the podcast, we also like to help you through transformation. So we have uh, a course online called the Pain to Purpose course. You can find that at nothingiswasted.com. If you want to hire one of our certified guides that can walk you through the Pain to Purpose course one-on-one, it's more of a um, deep investment of coaching. Um, that you can also do that. And we have certified guides that basically fit just about every pain point that you can imagine. Certified guides who experience childhood trauma. We've got one who has um, a couple of experienced loss of a, a young child. We've got one who has um, experienced abortion. We've got just about every single pain point that you can imagine of just like we were talking about guides that you know you can borrow faith from, but they also can help you with a plan for how to step from pain into purpose. And that's what we do as a ministry. So we'd love for you to connect with us. Um, nothingiswasted.com. If you want to just start, you want to kind of get your foot just maybe, you know, um, step just a little bit into the water of what we do. Uh, if you text NIW, NIW, which is like nothing is wasted, NIW to the number 66866, we'll send you over the next 21 days, 21 days of devotions. And every morning you could just we'll open up God's word together and we can start working through this pain to purpose journey. So NIW to the number 66866. Fantastic. And I will have links to all of that in the show notes to make it easier for listeners to access your resources. But I wanted to just thank you for joining me today, Dave. Oh, thank pleasure. you so much, Michelle. It's an honor to be with you guys. Something that continues to stick with me from this conversation is this sense that I am actively partnering with God to take my life back. After this episode, I hope that you'll take some time to talk with God about that and ask Him to give you a greater confidence that He does have good things for you, that He does see your pain, and that He is going to produce something very, very good from it. 
As we wrap up today's episode, I do want to point out a couple of resources available in the show notes. The first is our private Facebook group, Beloved Collective. Going through the issues and things that we're dealing with as single moms in community is so valuable. And so if you'd like to join the Facebook group, all you have to do is search for Agape Moms on Facebook at Agape Moms, and then click on the groups tab there and submit a request to join the group. Likewise, if you would like to follow along with Agape Moms on Instagram, you can search for us at Agape Moms. Additionally, I now have a weekly video guided scripture meditation available for every episode of the podcast. And if you subscribe to the Agape Moms YouTube channel, you will receive notifications when those videos become available. And it's just a great way to start off your day with some encouragement from God's word and apply some of the things that we're learning here on the podcast. I also want to thank you for your subscriptions, your rankings, your reviews. It's so encouraging to me to see what God is doing in your life and to see Him on the move, but it also helps other women to be drawn in to just what God has for them here as well. And as you move through the rest of your day or your evening, I just pray that you would know that you are seen and you are beloved. 